I'm Jessie Aredia, and you're listening to Soul Care for the New Mom, a podcast designed with new moms in mind, where we talk about what it looks like to thrive in motherhood as the free, confident, joy-filled women God has called us to be. Oh my goodness, I am so excited to be back. I'm so excited to tell you guys all that's been going on in the past four or so months. Just just a lot has happened in our household, in our family, in our lives, and it's been really exciting. Um, first, I'll just say that we are in this really cool season right now with two toddlers now that Tessa is almost three. I can't even believe that. And our sweet and sassy Jamie Kate is in full-blown toddler mode, 16 months, and is just so much fun. It's been really cool just seeing them bond as sisters, seeing them both just grow up together and have so much fun together. And honestly, it's been a breath of fresh air for Gray and I to be out of that baby stage, especially because we are in a very interesting transition um, in our family, we are actually in the process of becoming foster parents. Um, and we actually should be open for placements in about a month, which is huge, huge news. Something we're both so excited, but also super nervous about. Um, this is just something that God has laid on our heart for a few years. And we're just finally at the point where we're pursuing it. And it's it's both scary and and exciting. And I know that I'll be keeping you guys updated on that journey as we go through it. Um, but really, I, you know, I just love how much has happened this year in our marriage as far as how it's been strengthened um, through counseling, through marriage counseling. And we're actually going to be sharing more about our experiences with that in next week's episode. So you can be on the lookout for that one. But um, yeah, in our house these days, it's it's just a lot of fun right now. Um, sister antics are at an all-time high now that the girls are sharing a room. Um, who the sleep struggles are so real sometimes. Um, but as for me personally, another thing I'm so excited about is just this next season of the podcast and how it's going to be different from other seasons from the past. And I, as a lot of you know, last season was actually the first season where I invited guests onto the show. And I want you to know that I'm definitely going to keep doing that because of all of the positive feedback I got from you guys. And just from the fact that I, I get tired of hearing my own voice. And so it's really nice to let people shine in different areas of life and give insight into things that I might not be able to speak into in the same way that they can. Um, So you can definitely expect to see more guests this time around. Um, I already have so many awesome ones lined up that I just know you guys are going to love. But this season is actually going to be a little different from past seasons in that the episodes where it's just me speaking are going to be longer. They're going to be more off the cuff, more unscripted, and really focused on what has become my main message and platform these days, which is how moms can break free from anxiety and perfectionism and and anger and find renewed joy in motherhood. And I know that this is something that has kind of been woven into past episodes. It's been woven into my ministry all along, but ever since I've taken Soul Care for the New Mom into this new direction, it's, it's become really clear to me how important this topic is and how much I really do have to say about it just based on my own experiences with overcoming perfectionism and anger and such. So you can expect that the solo episodes that I do, where it's just me speaking, will have more of a coaching feel to them. 
where I'm actually diving into these things and giving more practical biblical strategies for working through them. And that actually leads me into my one last big exciting news that I want to share with you guys, which is that I have become a coach for moms. And now what this means is that I offer one-on-one coaching to moms who are feeling overwhelmed, overrun by motherhood, who are wanting to find freedom from perfectionism, anger, anxiety, who are wanting to create a better rhythm for their life, for their marriage, and become the healthiest version of themselves. And honestly, if you had told me like six months ago that I would be doing this, I don't even know if I would have believed you because I really did have this totally different vision for what this ministry was going to be. But then it was like just as things started falling apart and I was forced to like take a step back and re-examine some things, that's when it became clear that I needed to try something new, something bold. And this is when I found myself coaching women. So far... I'll be honest and say that it has been one of the most fulfilling things I have ever done. Um, I really do mean that. I've now had the privilege of coaching several women and hearing how this program is changing their lives is absolutely incredible. So if you want to read their testimonials about their experiences with me to kind of get an inside look at my coaching program, you can actually visit my coaching website at soulcarefornewmom.com forward slash coaching and also link it in the show notes. Um, But today, as far as, you know, this episode, we're going to be talking about something that has actually come up a lot in my coaching calls because I think on some level, all of us moms struggle with this thing and that thing is anger, anger in motherhood, anger toward our kids, anger about our circumstances, our marriage, our lack of control. I want to shed light on this subject of anger. I want to talk about where this anger comes from. I want to talk about how it's played a role in my own motherhood journey, in my own life, and then I want to give some practical strategies for overcoming anger, the things that have helped me break the cycle of anger in my own life. Um, And this is something I'm super passionate about because of my past struggles, because this is something that I've struggled with for years, for years and years, for so long, and something that I used to feel very ashamed about even. Um, When I, even before I became a mom, anger was a struggle for me. I knew that I had a hard time dealing with this feeling of being out of control and I was I was very perfectionist in my thinking and so it manifested as anger in a lot of different ways especially in my marriage in my close relationships and then when I became a mom it manifested in my motherhood in the way that I treated my baby my toddler my my kids and so over the past few years I've instead of you know dealing with the anger I've actually had to go deeper and deal with the root of those things the perfectionism the fear the control issues Um, and not to mention that also after each of my kids were born I experienced really bad postpartum rage which is something that isn't really talked about all that much but is actually more common than we think Um, you know in the same way that postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression are becoming a lot less taboo to talk about and are becoming more prevalent in our um in our in our culture and what we're sharing and what we're talking about and being open about I feel like postpartum rage is starting to become um more more prevalent in what we see and what we hear and I want to be one of those voices that you know is breaking that taboo and is bringing these bringing these things into the light because they matter and because moms need to know that they're not alone um so 
as I've shared my story with others and I've had opportunities to talk to moms who who are struggling with anger in similar ways, it's it's become really apparent that a lot of our struggles with anger actually boils down to a loss of control. And I think that this loss of control for us who maybe struggle with perfectionism or this desire to attain some sort of perfection or meet some certain standard in our lives, this ends up being something that we equate with powerlessness. It's this assumption that because we don't have full control over our kids or our marriage or whatever situation we're facing, we must be powerless. We are robbed of our power And that's when we end up fighting for control again, which is where so much of this anger comes from. And this really can be observed in so many different situations. Even just the different things that my clients have shared with me reveals how universal this fight for control really is. I mean, one mom is feeling powerless and struggles with anger because her nine-month-old fights sleep. And she was spending hours a day rocking him to sleep and not having that time to herself that she so badly wanted. Another mom that I worked with has four kids And she felt the most powerless and out of control when there was chaos. So car rides, tantrums, having multiple kids crying at the same time, this is when her anger and anxiety would surface. And another mom that I worked with struggles with anger toward her husband because he doesn't think the same things or see things in the same way that she does. And and sometimes it's hard for her to accept that. Um, For me, especially in those seasons of really struggling with postpartum rage, it was like, anything and everything was a trigger. So much of motherhood felt out of control for me and I had a really hard time dealing with that. But I went to counseling, I got help, I learned more about my perfectionism, more about control issues and I spent time wrestling through those things with God and that's when it became so clear to me that regardless of how out of control I might be, I still have the choice to empower myself and break out of that mindset of powerlessness or that victim mentality that I find myself in so often. And it's this idea about victim mentalities that actually reminds me of this passage in John chapter 5. It's a story of a man who um, is sick, he's paralyzed, and he is laying by a pool of Bethesda. And this pool is where um, sick people go to be healed. And he's just laying there and Jesus comes by and asks him, do you want to be made well? And we're told that this man has been like laying there for years. And when he's asked this, when he's, when Jesus says, do you want to be made well, be made well, the sick man answers him and says, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am coming, while I'm on my way, another one steps down in front of me. And this is when Jesus says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And he does. He takes up his bed and walks. He's healed. Now, I've read this story so many times. It really didn't stick out to me as anything super extraordinary. But I heard a sermon about it a few years ago where it just, it just clicked that in so many ways, I have been that man. I've been that man who's so close to that progress, that victory, that solution, that healing. But instead of putting in the work or instead of having the faith, I am quick to point fingers at everyone and everything else of why I can't be better. You know, I'm like the man who's saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, but then people come in front of me and they stop me. 
And I've been that man. I've been that man saying, you know, well, I want to be less angry, but my kid just won't sleep. Or I want to be more kind, but my husband just doesn't understand my heart. You know, whatever the thing is that I have pointed to as the reason for my anger, those things I have I have allowed to control me and allowed to kind of make me stay in this victim mentality where I'm not getting healed. I'm not seeing progress. I'm not experiencing victory. Um, And so I feel like this passage, it's meant so much to me. And I feel like it can mean a lot to us all as moms. I think that for many of us, we are pleading and we're crying out to God for healing from our anger. When the truth is he's already offering healing. What we're lacking is the empowerment to go after that healing. And also sometimes we just lack a clear understanding of what we need healing from. Because in many cases it's not even anger we need healing from. It's not even perfectionism or the control issues. What is at the root of these things is actually fear. Fear of being out of control. Fear of failure, fear of being rejected, abandoned, not being good enough or not worthy of love, fear of hurting others even. Um, Just this past week, I introduced the movie Frozen to Tessa and I love this movie so much. I don't even know why I held off on showing it to her for so long. I think just because it's not on Netflix and that's sort of where we live these days. But I I was re-watching Frozen with her this week and it just struck me like how much Elsa reacted out of her fear, how much of her life and and the, the things that she was doing, the destruction she was bringing to the kingdom was out of this place of fear. Um, every time she withdrew because she feared that she would hurt others, it only made things worse and manifested as anger and then it turned into destruction. And that's how she ended up freezing the town of Arendelle and then hurting her sister. Um, the problem wasn't her anger. I, I feel like that's just so important to like pay attention to. The problem wasn't her anger. It wasn't that she was a destructive person or that she was hurting people. She wasn't dangerous. Her problem was that she didn't feel free to be herself. She felt like she had to live in this constant fear. And I believe that some of you who are listening today can probably relate really well to Elsa. Um, I know that seems so silly to you know draw a metaphor, a comparison to this kids movie, but I think, you know, you've probably seen firsthand the destruction that you're capable of in your own life. And I'm sure that it's easy to convince yourself that you have to control things at any cost. And this is, this is your source of anxiety and your fear. The tricky thing about fear though, just from like what we've seen with Elsa is that it doesn't make things better. It doesn't make us more in control. It actually makes things worse. And it's when we're most likely to spiral and hurt others and hurt ourselves. So I feel like we can really learn from this. I feel like we can learn from Frozen because at the end of the movie, when Elsa realizes that her magic is a gift and not a curse, it's like she finally is giving herself permission to embrace it and not run away from it. And once her life was was no longer ruled by this fear, that's when she was able to be exactly who she was created to be. And I believe today that Jesus wants to set each of us free from our fear so that we can be exactly who we are created to be too. And Jesus does set us free. I mean, he died on the cross to overcome all sin, all death, all reason for fear, shame, guilt. He gave us victory 
over it all. He gives us his righteousness. He gives us his approval, his identity. But a lot of us, we're like the man who's laying by the pool and we're not choosing to receive it or walk in it. Now, I know that this is heavy stuff, um, and I, I do want to kind of switch gears because I want to talk about what are some practical strategies for working through these things, and I just want to go back real quick to this idea of empowerment. I know we just addressed this idea of victim mentalities and this feeling of powerlessness and how it contributes to anger, but, but let's talk about the flip side. How do we go from feeling powerless to feeling powerful? How do we go from angrily fighting for control and and blaming our kids or our circumstances or our husbands for our lack of control? How do we go from that to being able to walk in confidence and peace regardless? In my opinion, one of the best first things you can do is something that I know sounds so simple, but can actually be a really difficult practice, um, which is list your options. In our house, The question, what are our options, is something that we ask ourselves all the time. Every time we're up against a new situation that we don't know how to handle or a new struggle with one of our kids, this is the question that we ask. And I want to give you a few examples of how this has worked, starting with one where I was not feeling empowered and where I was not practicing self-control over my anger. And then I'm going to give you an example of of how this has worked when I was empowered and able to be free from my anger. And the funny thing is that in both of these examples, the situation that I was up against was actually the exact same thing. So the first example, the one where I was not feeling empowered, where I was not practicing self-control over my anger was when my eldest Tessa was a few months old and she began skipping her morning nap. Now, I know that a lot of us moms have been there. We know what it's like when they start to drop, you know, one or two naps, and it's it's a hard transition. It's already so confusing and so hard to get them into a schedule to begin with, and then when that schedule starts to get all thrown out the window, I mean, that's a hard thing to, that's a hard thing to adjust to, and I did not adjust well to um, that nap that Tessa was dropping. It, I, I fought so hard to keep this nap intact because this was the time when I had my alone time, when I drank my coffee and enjoyed my time in the Word. This is when I would pray or when I would do yoga. This was my time for self-care, my time for soul care. And when she started skipping that nap, I just kind of, I just fought it as hard as I could because I was afraid of losing everything that I loved. I was afraid of not being myself and I already was dealing with postpartum rage and just this fear of being out of control and there was one day where um, actually there were several days where I would end up yelling and crying and screaming because I just wanted my daughter to nap and she just wouldn't. She just was giving up that nap for good. And there was one day in particular where I ended up yelling at her. I guess she was about four or five months old and I yelled at her and my husband who was sleeping in the other room because he he was working night shift at the time. So he was sleeping during the day and he heard me through the wall in the other room and he came running in. And as soon he knew already what the struggle was about. He already knew what I was dealing with and how frustrating it was for me. And he busted into that room and he just said to me, whatever you're doing isn't working, so stop. It's time to try something new. And he, right then and there, 
gave me my options. He said, you can either keep fighting like this and just hope and pray that she does, you know, go to sleep during this time like you want her to, or you can go do something else. Like, take her to the park, walk around the park, see if you can, you know, go find something else to do that will bring joy and bring peace and be good for you and not this battle that you're currently in right now. So, so he listed out my options for me and what it did was it brought me back to reality. The reality is that I did have a say. The reality is I did have power. The reality is I was not a victim, even though I felt like I was one. And what ended up happening is that um, I did end up taking her to the park. And we actually went every day for close to a year during that time slot of when she would normally take that nap. And this became my time alone. This became my self-care. This became my time with God where I would pray and worship and cry and feel comforted and feel joy during worship and praise. I mean, this really did change motherhood for me, but I would never have known if I hadn't been willing to try something new. The truth is that I am given, you are given endless opportunities to try new things, but first we have to acknowledge that this is the truth and that our world won't fall apart if we don't get it right the first time. I think that perfectionism and anxiety are really good at lying to us and making us feel like there is only one right option. You know, like I ha- like how I clung to that nap so hard because I thought this is the only way that this will work. But by intentionally listing out our options, we are able to speak to that lie and replace it with the truth. You know, this actually reminds me of a call that I had with a woman where I was giving her options for sleep training and options for how to structure her morning, options on things that she can let go of. And at first, you know, I could tell she was very hesitant. She was very resistant to this idea of having options because like me, she just couldn't imagine that Things could be better if she were to try something different or if she were to try something new. But by the end of the call, she was saying to me, wow, like I actually feel like I have permission to do this. I feel like I have permission to try something new. And she said that from the way I was describing it, I think because I shared this story of, you know, how I dealt with, um, of dealing with that skip nap and, you know, using that time to go to that park instead that to her, it sounded like an adventure. And she said that to me. She said, I feel like, I feel like I can actually almost be excited for this. Like I'm looking forward to seeing how it's an adventure, how God is going to use it for good. And so, so this was just one example of, of how I was not feeling empowered and where I was not practicing self-control, but I listened at my options and I found something so beautiful out of it. And now I want to give you a second example. And this is this is the same situation I was that I was up against in the last one. But in this example, I was empowered and I was able to be free from my anger. I wasn't lashing out or yelling or screaming at my baby like I did the first time with Tessa. And this example is with my second, Jamie. When she was around the same age, four or five months old, she began skipping that first morning nap. And I did have fears and anxieties about it because, again, like we had gotten into this rhythm, into this schedule, and and I was clinging to it. I mean, this was, it was something good that we had going on. But when she started skipping that nap, you know, I, 
instead of giving into those fears and anxieties and fighting to keep things the way that they were, I instead was able to handle it with confidence and with calmness. And I, and I was able to let go of that nap and sleep train her and create a new routine and a new schedule that worked for the whole family because I felt empowered as a woman who knew that she had options. It's so, so powerful, so, so powerful to know that you have options. And this is why I believe that making this, this, I, this practice of listing out your options, why I believe this is so important. Even just asking yourself the question, what are my options, brings you back to reality and reminds you that you do have a say and you don't have to be trapped in those victim mentalities. You have power. You can be empowered. And The other powerful thing about using this practice of listing your options is that it gives you the opportunity to create and find new rhythms, new rhythms that are actually built to help you thrive. Now, when I say rhythms, what I am talking about routines or schedules, but I like to use the word rhythms because I feel like the word routines just kind of has this connotation of being very rigid or controlling. And if you're somebody who struggles with perfectionism or control issues, then maybe the word routines isn't the best word for you. And I know that they aren't for, it isn't for me. So I like to use the word rhythms um, because to me, it just, it, it sounds so much more flexible. It sounds like it, like there's room for grace, but it still offers some semblance of control or peace, which is what can help keep you away from those victim mentalities and help you stay confident and empowered. And I want to talk about rhythms because I believe that they're so important in how they help us thrive in everyday life and especially in motherhood. And what's so great about them is that they will look differently for everybody and that is okay. One mom's ideal rhythm might mean waking up before her kids to get a quick workout in, but another mom's ideal rhythm might mean sleeping in because she was up all night doing night feedings. So again, like, it, it, it will look differently for everybody and that is okay. My philosophy behind rhythms is that if it's what works best for that mom, if that's what's giving her that chance to recharge and take care of herself and, and take care of her family, then that is a good rhythm. No two rhythms have to look the same in order for them to be beneficial. Another example is one mom might go out every week on dates with her husband. One mom might not go out on dates at all, hardly, very rarely, and yet still has regular times of connection with her husband while they're alone at home. Neither rhythm is better than the other if that's what's helping them thrive because both moms are choosing what works best for them in the season that they're in and they are both reaping the same benefits. They're getting that deeper connection, that stronger marriage. They are choosing what works best for them. But the key word here though that I want to make sure that you don't forget is choice. That's the key word, choice. There is a difference between choosing and setting a rhythm for yourself and having a rhythm forced upon you. A mom who sleeps in until her kids wake up because she's up late with the baby can absolutely claim this as her rhythm and thrive off of it. But a mom who is in the exact same situation, who maybe sleeps in until her kids wake up because she's up late with the baby, can also fail to thrive with this rhythm. Maybe because it's it's not what she wants, because she feels like she doesn't have a choice, or she knows that there's something better, something that something else that she wants or that she's longing for. And this was where this is where frustration tends to occur. This is where anger can start to build up over time and turn into this this bitterness, this pent up rage, and even hopelessness. 
When I am coaching moms, creating rhythms is one of the things that I love to spend a lot of time on because I've noticed a huge connection between dissatisfaction and anger and anxiety in motherhood and the lack of a good weekly, daily rhythm. Not only that, but I've actually also noticed that moms who struggle with having a good rhythm oftentimes don't even feel empowered or capable of creating a better one, which is almost always a lie that they've been tricked into believing. You know, I just shared that story about when Tessa was five months old and she dropped one of those naps. And for me, that was a good rhythm that I thought I was losing. And it it felt like it was really being thrown out of the window. And I was frustrated. I was devastated. And that's why I lashed out until my husband stepped in and he helped me create a new, better rhythm. And, and I thrived because of it. I thrived when I took her to that park. But who would have known? Who would have figured? I, looking back, it seems so simple. It seems so silly now. But at the time, I couldn't fathom changing up my routine. I didn't think it was possible to thrive on anything different. My problem wasn't that I lacked choices or that I lacked options to create a good rhythm. My problem was that I didn't feel empowered. I thought this new rhythm was being forced upon me and that it couldn't possibly be better than what I already had. So I resisted it and I tried to cling to the old and and that's where the anger and resentment came in. When I realize that even if this new rhythm is somewhat being forced upon me, that I can still choose it and decide to see the good in it, that was when I found that this change I was resisting was actually the secret to my thriving. So this is why listing your options, getting into these rhythms that work well for you really go hand in hand. If you want to feel empowered in motherhood and you want to have joy in motherhood, it it is so crucial that you recognize the opportunities that are put in front of you. The opportunities to try new things, find solutions to your problems, create those new rhythms, try something new. I believe that many of us that for many of us being able to break out of the cycle of fear and anger and shame it really does start here but I think that it also does start with our thought life and this is the last thing that I want to hit on with you guys the last practical strategy that I have up my sleeve for today it's this idea of using affirmations or as I like to call them declarations to take your thoughts captive and change your life We all have different thought patterns that are automatically triggered by specific situations. So maybe you have a thought pattern of low self-worth anytime you mess up or make a mistake. So you think things like, I'm a failure, I'm worthless, I can't do anything right. Or maybe you have a thought pattern that reflects this, this longing for control or perfection anytime life gets stressful or you feel overwhelmed. And maybe those thoughts are, it has to be perfect. I have to be perfect. I, I need to do it all. I need to be it all. These unhealthy thought patterns, they're predictable, they're repetitive, and I know that they are incredibly difficult to break, especially when they have been our default for quite some time and yet they can be broken they can be broken and I want to tell you how so in study after study evidence has shown that negative patterns in our thinking can be broken or replaced when we disrupt them with positive thoughts positive thinking affirmations declarations mantras whatever you want to call them when we think and declare these positive thoughts over ourselves whether before or during or even after 
coming up against a trigger, we are training our brain to respond to those triggers differently over time, which means less anxious thoughts, less low self-worth, less perfectionist mindsets, and and more. So this in turn influences our behavior in major ways. This means no more lashing out in anger, no more beating yourself up out of guilt, no more running yourself into the ground. I firmly believe that if you can change your thoughts, you can change your life. And I just, this is why I'm so passionate about declarations. I've seen them change my life. I've seen how declaring things like, I am the best model of grace and love for my daughters. How this, how just this one statement changes how I respond to my mistakes. It helps me break out of the cycle of anger and guilt so that I can model humility and model grace for my kids. I've seen how declarations like, every day I am being led into the good plans God has for me. How even just that one statement, it it keeps me grounded in truth about God so that I can keep seeing him as my good father and not give into those lies that the enemy wants to feed me about his motives or about his love for me. Um, there's even, you know, there's even declarations that I speak over myself every day regarding my business, regarding my ministry. One of them is I have people depending on me to step into my greatest purpose. And this is what keeps me motivated in my business. And this is what keeps me going even when I'm maybe not seeing the results I want to see. Or maybe I'm wondering why I'm still putting in all this effort and why I'm giving up my time and and so much energy to this. So declarations absolutely have changed my life and I've become so passionate about them. And, and because I'm so passionate, I've actually created a resource for moms that I would love for you to check out. I really do believe that this could be a huge game changer for you. And this de- this resource is called my 10 declarations for the anxious mama. This will help you incorporate declarations into your everyday rhythm. This will give you 10 already pre-made declarations that you can speak over yourself to speak against those fears, those anxieties, and to, and to, and to kind of break those cycles of anger and guilt and shame and, and fear and lashing out. So if you are interested in downloading that, you can go to soulcarefornewmom.com forward slash declarations, or you can click the link in the show notes. But I really do believe that this will be so beneficial to you, so powerful. Um, I, and and because I really do believe in these declarations, I want to give you a challenge. I want to challenge you to try speaking even just a few, one or two or three declarations over yourself for two weeks, for the next two weeks. Because I believe that you will see change. Not because these declarations themselves are what are changing you, but because you will be opening your mind and heart to the possibility that you can change. And this is what allows the Lord to do what only he can do. I mean, it really, really does. It's what helps you get out of that victim mentality so that you're not that man laying by the pool anymore. You're actually, you're actually saying, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for that healing, Jesus. I'm not going to point fingers anymore. I'm going to take captive these thoughts, which is a very biblical practice. It comes up over and over again how important our thought life is in scripture. Um, But there's one thing that I want to remind you, and it's that it will take time. It will take time to see serious transformation. It just doesn't happen overnight. Fruit of the Spirit is grown in us over time. So just like how we have to be patient when we plant seeds in soil and they're growing into the flowers that they're meant to be, we have to remain patient with ourselves in the process of becoming who God has created us to be. There are fruits that he's growing in us, love, joy, 
peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. But we can't force the growth to happen. We can't make it happen in our timing. We can only do what is our part and then we trust him to do the rest. So again, you can go to soulcarefornewmom.com forward slash declarations to get started on creating declarations, finding declarations, and speaking those over yourself. But now that we're at the end of today's episode, I want to give you two more challenges besides the one that I just shared. And the second one is to take a look at your rhythms. Take a look at your daily and weekly rhythms. Do you find that you have enough time for self-care or investing in your marriage or nurturing your faith? Are there parts of your rhythm that are more frustrating to you or they're dissatisfying in some way? Are there parts of your rhythm that don't even feel like a rhythm but are actually kind of chaotic or stressful I want you to take notes of these things and write them down and then and then the second the second challenge to this is decide what you're going to do about it list out your options list them out I can't emphasize enough how important this is for for the mom who is feeling overwhelmed or frustrated or or trapped right now my greatest hope for you through using these strategies is that you begin to gain that confidence back i want you to feel empowered i want you to feel empowered to try new things and to think creatively and to choose freedom if you enjoyed this episode which i really hope you did i would absolutely love to hear about it so if you would screenshot a photo of this episode and tag me in your stories on instagram so that i can know who is listening right now who is loving this and it would also mean so much to me if you would take just a few seconds to leave a review on itunes i know that this isn't just an encouragement to me but this actually does help get the podcast in front of more women who need to hear these things and be encouraged in their motherhood journey too so if you would just take a few seconds a minute to do that that would be amazing thank you